0: Confident there's much more that God wants to do in and through us, here's
1: Pastor Ed Taylor. God is not done with us. He's not done with what he wants to see through our church. He's not done with what he wants to see in your family and in your life. He's not done. There's so much more until the coming of the Lord that he wants to accomplish through us, but we have to shake off the apathy, don't we? We have to shake off the laziness. We have to shake off the hardness of heart. We have to shake off the things that bitterness and the anger and the strife that separate us. We need to come to that place where you know, Lord, you're all that matters. This is a messing grace. This is a failing love.
0: That you would take my grace. someone who said you don't discover that god is all you need till he's all you have and when he's all that you have it's then that you realize he is all that matters for if you have him you have everything so you'll definitely want to be assured you have him well today's abounding grace with pastor ed taylor will help you do just that If you were with us last time, you'll remember that we began a new study in the book of Romans, the Gospel of Grace. Pastor Ed begins today's lesson by reflecting on the need for grace and the work of grace in the church.
1: So maybe the church falls into spiritual error or laziness or apathy. God uses Romans to bring fresh life. And what a time in our lives today to be used to spread the gospel and to love people into the kingdom, to be vessels of his grace and of his mercy and of his forgiveness. And I believe in all my heart that God is doing something very, very special within Calvary Chapel. Just what God has done in our church and what he's continuing to do, having his hand upon us and using us, it's awesome. He's raised up a fellowship to worship him. He's raised up a fellowship to reach out. He's raised up a fellowship, a group of people one by one to be used in a mighty way. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. It's an exciting time to be in the city that we're in, to be doing what we're doing, to hear the voice of the Lord. You know, it seems as if from the beginning, way back in 1999, this church has been full sprint. It seems like every time we try to take a breath, there's some new open door that God wants us to go through. Oh, oh, there's another open door. Okay, let's go through it. And we've learned, we've been trained over the years. We, we now look for the open doors. We're not looking to take a break anymore. We say, Lord, is there another open door? Is there something you want to be done in this city? Are there people you want to reach? Is there some new avenue for us? Is there some new thing for us? Do you want us to go to this street? Do you want us to go to this common home? What do you want from us, Lord? Because what you want from us is what we want to give you. It's a great way to live your life, you know. It's a crazy way. Invested in the things of God. To know that, you know, the Lord, he wants to use us. And it's a special time for us. It's a perfect time, I think. For studying the book of Romans. It's a perfect time. So many of you, you know, you desire to be right with the Lord. You're living for the things of God, but circumstances have come in, haven't they? And they tend to distract us and discourage us. Circumstances do. Yeah, God is using them to grow us and mature us. Some are very painful, I realize. Some are very difficult, but haven't they taught you the faithfulness of God? Haven't they taught that even when we are faithless that verse doesn't mean anything to you until you go through a faithless time. Christians do it or we do all the time. We just we know of God, we trust Him, but then something comes in that blindsides us. And in that faithless time, God shows up and becomes very powerful. And He shows Himself faithful every single time. And so I don't expect things to change very much for us as a church. We're going to look for open doors. We're going to look for what God... That's our prayer. We We desire... That's why the bulletin's so full. And you're like, man, there's so many things. What should I do? We want to train you to pray. And ask God that very... God, what do you want me to do? Some of you right now, you're asking the question, where do you want me to plant myself down as a church? Well, get that question answered. And plant yourself down in a church. Some of you are wondering, what do you want me to do with my kids? Well, pray and get that question answered. What do you want me to do with my spirits? Pray and get that question answered. And then... Jump in and do it. Be used of the Lord. I really believe that the Lord wants to do wonderful and awesome things. I've seen, we're seeing it and we want to see more of it. Some of you need that great awakening because you are sitting on the sidelines, if you will. You, you're on the bench. You know, when I was playing growing up and playing sports, I didn't like sitting on the bench. I mean, I always wanted to play the game. I wanted, come on, coach, put me in, coach, put me in. Sit down. On the bench, at the end, your normal spot. Oh, man, I want to play. I want to play. Coach, put me in. Why won't you put me in? You're not good. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't like sitting on the bench. I didn't like sitting on the bench because I wanted to play, and I didn't like sitting on the bench because then they'd make fun of you and call you like a bench warmer, bench warmer, bench warmer. No, I want to play. Coach won't let me in. Some of you, if we're using that illustration in the church, are on the bench. You're warming the bench. You're not in the game. Now, you might want to get in the game or you might not want to get in the game. But I'll tell you, for you, it's not the coach holding you back. It's you. You see, if we were to use the illustration, Jesus Christ being the coach, he wants you in the game. He doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines. He doesn't want you being a spectator in church. He doesn't want you to listen to everyone else's testimonies. He wants you to have one yourself. He wants you to go forth and share the gospel and come back and say, oh, I share the gospel here at Chili's and now here she is, she came to church, she's saved. Not just to hear it with the ear, but to live it in your life. And so you go, oh no, I want to get in the game, but the coach won't let me. Not in the spiritual game because the coach wants you to get into the game. He wants to use you. He wants us to get off the bench and get, put your helmet on and go out and hit somebody for Jesus. Now, you, know, it, it, you know, nicely, nicely, just with the gospel. It's like, no, I'm, I'm comfortable on the bench, Ed. That's your problem. That's why we have hard chairs. For those of you that have been with us all this time, and one day we have chairs that are comfortable, and all nice and soft, and you're willing to sit through two-hour Bible studies because you just don't know you're sitting, you're just there, three-hour Bible studies. It's been four hours, it's no big deal. This chair feels good, you know. You're going to think back to these and it's going to remind you. It's going to remind you, you know, it doesn't matter what chair I'm sitting in really does it. It doesn't matter what room I'm in. It doesn't matter how long he teaches or how short he teaches. What matters is that when I get up, in my mind mentally, I realize I'm getting in the game. But even more so, you're in the game now as the Lord is teaching you and encouraging you and building you up. Romans will do that. It's going to stir us up as a church. It's going to stir you up individually, bring you to the place where you want to jump in the game. You know, Rome was a great city, much larger than what we see in Denver. It was the center of the world. The saying in that day is that all roads led to Rome. There was also a flip side to that saying is that all roads led out of Rome. So enter in the passionate Paul, the apostle, He's a church planner all over the place, planning churches, planning churches, and we know his desire was to go to Rome. I'm sure I I could just almost imagine the conversation I had with Paul. So you want to plant a church in Rome? I want to plant a church in Rome. I know that if I can get the gospel to Rome and we can start a church there, as all roads come into Rome, then the gospel will go out of Rome and I want to go to Rome. And you know what? It took him many, many years before he got to Rome and not the way that he wanted to go. And in those years that he didn't get to Rome, you know what God did? He planted a church without Paul. Imagine that. Imagine that. Your desire, your heart's desire is to go in a direction. It's a good desire. It's not bad. It's a planted church. Good desire. I want to serve. Oh, man! I want to go to Rome. And all the while, while Paul's on the sidelines, God is doing a fresh work in Rome that doesn't involve Paul at all. You know, there's a great lesson for us in that. Because There are times where we think too highly of ourselves. Let's rephrase that. There are times when we don't think too highly of ourselves. Most of the time, we do. Most of the time, we just think we're better than we really are. Most of the time, we just have a high esteem of ourselves. Most of the time, we're like, you know, that's why we get hurt so much. That's why expectations hurt us. Because we just expect everybody and everything to go the way that we want it. And you know, God, God sometimes will close a door in your life to teach you that he can do anything and everything without you. Not that he doesn't want to use you, but there'll be times where he'll set you aside if you will and he'll say, look, I want to show you, I've got a great plan for Rome, but it doesn't necessarily have to include you right now. And he'll just take those hard hearts that we have sometimes and those big heads and he'll put them back into proportion. And that might be what you're dealing with right now, closed doors, you wonder what the Lord do, is he teaching you humility? Is that what he's trying to pull from you, be a humble servant? A servant that's going to trust him. Maybe your situation that's come into your life has made you very, very weak and you don't like to be weak. And you're wondering, why am I so weak? as it could be that God is trying to show you that in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Oh, no, but I want to go. It's a good thing. I want to do it. And God says, I, you know, I don't want you to do it. And we need to pray that prayer, don't we? God, what do you want me to do? And then I'll do it. It's, the, it's not the opposite. This is what I'm going to do for you, God. And you just come along with me. No. No, it doesn't work. You could do that, of course. You could do that. You won't last. You'll hurt a few people along the way. And you'll end up right back where you were. And then God said, now will you ask the right question? Say, yeah, Lord, I will. And so Paul, he does eventually get to Rome, but the church is already established. As a matter of fact, by the time Paul gets to Rome, the church, as according to the Roman historian Tacitus, was an immense multitude. All of this happening apart from Paul's personal involvement, although he does write this letter to them. And Romans has been known as the gospel of grace. It just drips with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus First to the Jews, also to the Greeks. Men are born into spiritual slavery, you know. We're all born into sin. No one is born free. Every human being comes into this world a slave to sin. It doesn't matter how it's lived out in your life, whether it's alcohol or drugs or relationships. It doesn't matter. Sin brings us into slavery, but Jesus Christ releases us from that slavery. We're new creations in Christ. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Romans teaches us that liberty and that freedom that we have in him. The message of Romans really, it's a message of God through the gospel. Not just the gospel bringing someone to God, but it's a message of God moving through his gospel message. You can be free and forgiven and right, even this morning, right here in this room. Now, before we jump in in our coming weeks, today I wanna give you an overview in the final moments that we have together here. I want to give you a big overview of the book. So if you're taking notes, there's five divisions to the book of Romans that we're going to use. Five divisions that will kind of lop the chapters together and give us a big picture of what, where Romans is going to be going in the coming studies. Number one, chapters one through three. Chapters one through three reveal the problem of sin. The problem of sin and the need for the gospel. Sin has touched every single human being. There's not one human being on the planet that has not been touched by sin. And he goes through in each chapter and first he talks to the unbeliever, the person that that has no connection to God. Then he talks to the Jew or the moralist that that has some good morals but really have no connection with God. And then finally he's going to talk to the Greek or to the Gentile. Until he concludes, look at chapter 3, verse 23. His final conclusion as he assesses all different walks of life, is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, where he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's his conclusion. We have a problem with sin because we've all fallen short of God's glory. Now, the second division is chapters 4 and 5. After Paul reveals the problem of sin, number two, he shows us the provision of the gospel that there is a way out. You're not hopeless. Now, by the time you end chapter 3, you're like, oh man, I'm in trouble. This is not good. Sin has really hurt me. Well, chapter four and chapter five then begins to unfold the provision of the gospel. It's good news. With the darkness of sin and the weight that comes with it comes the solution. There is a way out, and God has provided it through Jesus. As a matter of fact, he uses in chapter four, verses 20 and 22, the example of Abraham. And he says, "Here it is. You want to know what the solution is? It's the same thing that was the solution for Abraham. Believe God. By faith, it was accounted to Abraham. His faith was accounted to him as righteousness. Well, now today, it's faith in the the Messiah that has come. And by faith in him, you too can be forgiven and freed from any bondage. Number three, chapter six through eight, is the power of the gospel. As we saw in chapter one, verse 16, the gospel is powerful. It's the power of God to change a life. It's the power of God for salvation to all, everyone who believes. We don't have to defend the gospel. We don't have to put up fight for it. We don't have to go around. All we need to do is share it and release it. And as it goes out, it does its work. God uses his gospel to change lives. You can jot this down. I'll read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. It's a powerful message. Number four, chapters nine, 10, and 11. By far, chapters nine, 10, and 11 are some of, if not the most difficult chapters in all the Bible. So we're just gonna skip them. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We won't skip them. We'll study through In chapters 9, 10, and 11, we have the perplexity and the promise of the gospel. The perplexity. There's some deep things in the scriptures. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, we're going to study some deep things like predestination and election and foreknowledge. Some deep stuff. We're going to wrestle with them. We're going to compare scripture to scripture and come to some conclusions. But by far, the fun part of chapter 9, 10, and 11 is how God keeps his promises. Because God is not done with the nation of Israel. And in these chapters, we find that he still has a plan and a purpose for his precious nation. God is not done with them. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, still applies today. Listen, I will bless those who bless you, speaking of Israel. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a Bible study in and of itself. Then Zechariah chapter two, verse eight, still applies today. Let me read it to you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, speaking of Israel, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. So nine, 10 and 11 show how God will one time in the near future, again, turn his attention to the nation of Israel and bless them and minister to them. The final section is chapters 12 through 16. And Paul is always faithful to do this. He'll lay before us significant doctrine in the first part of his letters, and then he'll end his letters with the practice or the application. So number five is the practice of the gospel. He's gonna give us room to apply it. He's gonna teach us how to do and how to live through and what to do with what we've learned. The gospel is designed to be lived out in our lives. Look at, flip over to chapter 12. This is how that section begins. Romans chapter 12. Paul spends the final chapters of this powerful letter with these words. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's going to be the breakdown as we study through And he loves to end his letters with great application. And Romans will change your life. If you come with a hearing ear and a soft heart and a a willingness to follow through on what you hear, Romans will change you. It's a powerful, powerful book. It's changed men, so many men and women before us. It's brought revolutions to this earth spiritually. And that's my prayer for us, that we would see a revolution in our hearts. God is not done with us. He's not done with what he wants to see through our church. He's not done with what he wants to see in your family and in your life. He's not done. There's so much more until the coming of the Lord that he wants to accomplish through us. But we have to shake off the apathy, don't we? We have to shake off the laziness. We have to shake off the hardness of heart. We have to shake off the things, that bitterness and the anger and the strife that separate us. And we need to come to that place where, you know, Lord, you're all that matters. You're all that matters. That's all that matters. I can have all these things going on in my life. I can have all these feelings and I, but you're the what matters. You're the one that remains faithful even when I'm faithless. You're the one that loves me with an everlasting love. And that's what you need to leave here with, you know. God He loves you. That's where grace really comes in, isn't it? He loves you. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. The love of God is unmerited. There's nothing that we could do to earn God's love, his grace. There's nothing we could do to earn his favor, but he loves us anyway. And he loves you, the Bible says, with an everlasting love, a love that never ends, a love that's so deep you can't get to the bottom of, so high you can't reach it, so wide that you could search and search and search and never, never come to the end of the depths of God's love for you. His grace is so evident throughout this book, the unmerited, the unearned, the undeserved favor of God. And through grace, we enter into a love relationship with him. Look, as Christians, we have to realize our righteousness and our standing before God is not dependent upon what we have done or what we will do or what we're currently doing. It's not our righteousness that we want to stand before God in, guys. We don't want to come to God and say, look what I've done and look who I am. I'll tell you the lesson that God is teaching me through grace and through these studies is that truly, when you come to ask me who I am, my answer to you is I'm nobody. Apart from Jesus Christ, I'm nobody. You know, I might come to you and say, you know, how are you doing? Who are you? And your answer, well, I'm a CEO. But I didn't ask you what you did for a living. I just asked you, how are you? Who are you? Well, well, you know what? I, I, I've, I've got a lot of money in the bank. That's who I, I've got man. I've been working so hard. I've sacked a lot. Of but I didn't ask you how much money you had. I asked you, how are you? And who are you? And you go, well, I'm a Christian. I I know all the Bible. I know everything about the Bible there is to know. But I didn't ask you what you knew. I just asked you who you were and how you doing. And so often we try to identify ourselves by what we do, by who, you know, what standing we have in society, by by what we might have. But in reality, God God wants you to identify with him. Says, who are you? Well, you know what? I'm somebody in Jesus Christ. But apart from him, I'm Nobody. You go, well, what are you know, Pastor Ed, you're a pastor. Yeah, church is doing well. The Lord's blessing this church. You've got to be somebody. And my answer to you is I'm nobody. God could at any moment decide, you know what? I'm taking the hand of blessing off of Ed. I'd be up here all nervous and I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. And apart from God, I'd be all messed up. I'd be a wreck. But in him, in him, God does a work of restoration. God does a work of reconciliation. God does a work of forgiveness. In Jesus Christ, he'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. In Jesus Christ, he'll give you hope for today. He'll give you strength for tomorrow. He'll give you strength for today. He'll give you hope for tomorrow. In Jesus Christ, that is our identity. We are in Jesus. That's who we are and that's where our strength comes from, and that's where our hope comes from. That, that's grace. You see, it's so easy to make the mistake, well, you know what? I'm going to try harder. I'm excited about the booklet, so I'm committed. I'm going to try harder. Tomorrow morning, when I wake up, I'm going to try to read more, and you might for a couple days. I read more until Wednesday, and then your alarm didn't go off, and then you had to rush out to work, and then work took you, and Kicked your tail, and you got home. You're so tired. You went to bed. You wake up Thursday. You go wait. I didn't read more yesterday, and then you start condemning yourself. I'm gonna pray more. I'm gonna try harder. Ed, that's what I. I'm so excited about the things. I'm gonna try to pray more. And then, a couple of days go by, and you pray more. But then, third, or fourth, fifth, sixth week comes by, and you're not praying more anymore. You know, so many times we make the mistake of trying harder to please the Lord. I'll read more for you, Lord. I'll pray more. I'll witness more. I'll give more. I'll help more. I'll serve more. Listen, we cannot be saved by trying. We can't be saved by trying, nor can we have the righteousness of God by trying harder. When you were saved, did you try to get saved or did you simply trust? You trusted. And so how then do you live your life in Jesus Christ? Let me just suggest this as you leave. Don't try harder after hearing a message like this. Just trust the Lord. You wanna pray more than trust that the Lord will infuse in you his Holy Spirit to motivate you to read more. Do you wanna pray more? Then just trust that the Lord will so overcome you with his love and that relationship that you have that as his spirit infuses you just trust. You know, Lord, you're gonna do this work because you promised to give me a desire for you. You said, if I seek you, you give me the desires of my heart. You know, you want to grow more, you want to give more, you want to serve more. Don't try harder, just trust. Encouraging reminder from Pastor
0: Ed Taylor to trust in the Lord's grace to save you and keep you from start to finish. The Lord is holding on to you, and you can trust He won't let you go. You've been listening to Abounding Grace and our introduction to Romans. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. This is a fairly new site. As you take a look around, you'll notice Pastor Ed's blog, the Abounding Grace podcast, our show archives, and even a place to make a secure donation as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your mobile devices. Look for our church app and Grace FM Colorado app available on all platforms when you do a search for Calvary Church Aurora. They're free and a great way to fill up on the teaching of the Word wherever you may be. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s you'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. More about God's grace from the Gospel of Grace, the book of Romans. Tomorrow, when Pastor Ed Taylor returns on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.